Exodus 40, verse 34. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting because the cloud settled on it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Throughout all their journeys, whenever the cloud was taken up from over the tabernacle, the people of Israel would set out. But if the cloud was not taken up, then they did not set out till the day that it was taken up. For the cloud of the Lord was on the tabernacle by day, and fire was in it by night, in the sight of all the house of Israel throughout all their journeys. Lord, would you bless the reading of your word, and Lord, give us a passion for your presence today. Speak to us, Holy Spirit, through the scriptures. Shed light on the scriptures and bring the scriptures to a place where they bring transformation to our hearts and our minds. Lord, we want your presence this morning. We want to follow your presence wherever it leads us. Lord, help us today. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Um, As we're leading up to winter revival uh, in a couple of weeks, the Lord's just given me this burden. I shared it with you last week, a burden for our church that we would foster an atmosphere of the presence of God. And so I'm preaching this series on pursue the presence. And last week, I taught you that the scriptures say that we should intentionally seek out and spend time in God's presence, that his presence is absolutely essential to our lives as believers. You can encounter and experience the presence of God, and you should encounter and live and walk in the presence of God because in His presence, there is fullness of joy. And in His presence, that is where we find healing, that's where we find hope, that's where we find peace, and that's where we find life. We need the presence of God. We need the presence of God. So just like last week, I'm going to tell you where we're driving before we get there. We're driving to a place where we will come around the altar together or make your seat an altar, make this room an altar, and we're just going to spend time in the presence of God this morning. We're not on any other agenda. We're not going to rush out. We're not going to have any kind of formal dismissal. When you need to go, that's fine. There's no judgment if you've got somewhere to be or you have something to do, but find somewhere, sometime today, to spend time in the presence of God. But when I finish preaching. We're just going to open the altars up. We're going to worship. We're going to spend time in God's presence. And that is our agenda today because our goal is not to go out and eat. Our goal is not to get our checklist done before Monday comes around. And our goal is not even, and this is a tough one for me, to go get a nap. It's not to get back to work. Our goal is not to watch the game on TV. Our goal today is simply to pursue the presence of God. That is our goal. And then come back tonight, 6 o'clock. We're going to be here in prayer gathering, and we just simply want to get pray and seek the face of God and an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. There is no agenda tonight except prayer. We're going to have different stations to kind of help guide you through prayer. But if you just want to come and worship, if you just want to come and sit in the presence of the Lord, if you need to catch up on your Bible reading, bring your Bible and come and sit and listen to worship music while you read your Bible and pray. That is what we're doing today. That is the goal. That is the agenda for tonight. Now, our text today is completely necessary for you to read and know if you want to understand what we're talking about when we talk about the presence of God. Because in the book of Exodus, Moses, uh, God used Moses to lead God's people Israel 
out of slavery in the land of Egypt and into the promises that God had for them. Go back and read Exodus sometime. That's the first half of the book of Exodus. It's a story of how Moses led. That's where the burning bush is. That's where the sea gets split open. That's where the 10 plagues are. All of that stuff that makes for great movies is in the first half of the book of Exodus. But in the second half of the book of Exodus, that is the story of how God begins to teach the people of Israel what it means to be God's chosen people. He begins to lay down guidelines and instructions for how to live life for God in an ungodly world. This is where he gives the Ten Commandments that we know and are so familiar to us that govern the way God's people should live. And it's where God gives instructions on how the people are to uh, uh, construct the tabernacle. And the text that I read you this morning is actually at the very end of the book of Exodus where we see after the people build the tabernacle, uh, God's presence comes and takes residence in the tabernacle. Now, a couple of years ago, I preached a whole set of messages on Exodus and on the tabernacle. So I, I won't go in all the details here. I don't have time for that. But I encourage you maybe um, on your free time or if you're wondering or, or if anything is confusing to you to go back and listen to those messages in our app or on our website to understand what God is really doing and understand what the tabernacle really means and what it stands for and how we can have access to the presence of God. Because I don't have time to teach you about all the process and the sacrifice and the construction of the temple, but it's all there if you want to go watch and, and or listen to it maybe on your commute this week. But I'm just going to jump to the end and say that God tells Moses and the people to build him a tabernacle. Now that's a fancy word that just means a tent. <laughs> They say, he says, build me a tent, build me a house and a place. And it's a portable tent because the Israelites are moving through the wilderness on their journey to the promised land. So they can't build a, a brick and mortar building. They need a portable place of worship and a portable house for God. This is what God says in Exodus chapter 25, verse eight. And let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell in their midst that I may dwell in their midst. And here's why God said that. Because number one, God has always desired to be present with his people. God has always desired to be present with his people. I want you to know that the God that we have been singing about and worshiping this morning, the one that we're talking about this morning, he is not a long distance God. He is not like some earthly king or earthly leader who hides in his palace while the peasants live life uh, outside the guarded walls. Our God is a get involved, get his hands dirty, walk and live among the people kind of God. And we believe even that he is here right now. His presence is with us. Jesus said, wherever two or three are gathered in my name, I will be there in their midst. So I need you to know that we are in the presence of royalty this morning. That we're in the presence of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That ought to make us all fall on our faces right now because he is here and he's with us and he can be accessed this morning. He's here not because he has to be. He's here not because he feels obligated to be. 
He's here because he wants to be close to you and to me. We are his children. We are his flesh and blood created in his image. So he wants to be near us. God is not some deadbeat dad who walks out and leaves when things get difficult. He is not an exasperated mother who aborts that relationship with a child when the idea of having a child becomes inconvenient. God is a stubborn, determined, dig his heels in, won't leave, won't ever walk out, won't ever give up, present and active, loving father, who even if we push him out of our lives, even if we ignore him, even if we try to to get rid of him, he says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. He says, you can kick me out of the house all you want to, but I'm going to stand at this door and I'm going to bang on this door until you let me back in because I won't ever walk out. I won't ever give up. I won't ever leave you and I won't ever forsake you because he has always desired to be present, to dwell among his people. And this is a theme that runs all through the scriptures. Here's just a few. I'm going to give you a few verses that prove that this has always been God's plan to be present with his people. Exodus chapter 29, verse 45. I will dwell among the people of Israel and will be their God. See, we think about God as somewhere up there far away, billions of light years away. But he says, no, I'm going to dwell with my people in their midst. Ezekiel 37, verse 27. My dwelling place shall be not seven billion light years away. My dwelling place shall be with them. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. So listen, this ought to change your prayer life because you're not praying up past the ceiling somewhere when you pray. You're praying to a friend who's right there with you. Hallelujah. Ezekiel 43, 9. I will dwell in their midst forever. That even if you push him away, he's not leaving. He's still there. Praise his holy name. Zechariah 2, 11, And many nations shall join themselves to the Lord in that day. And they shall be my people. And I will dwell in your midst. That means it doesn't matter what color you are. It doesn't matter where you're from. It doesn't matter your background. It doesn't matter your language. If you will draw near to him, he says, you will encounter my presence in your midst. And then of course, Jesus. Jesus is the fulfillment of all of this, of God's desire to dwell with his people and God's desire to live among his people because John and John's gospel says, calls Jesus the word of God, calls him the logic of God, calls him the manifestation of God. And he says in John chapter one, verse 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. So when Jesus came, he came to fulfill what God's plan has been all along, that he would dwell and live with his people. And if you keep reading on down to the very end of the scriptures in the book of Revelation, just take a look at what God's plan is for our future and eternity. This is what we had to look forward to in new creation when God raptures the church and when he resurrects the saints and he casts the devil and on death into that eternal lake of fire. This is all of this whole thing called salvation. This whole thing called the gospel. All this whole thing called the kingdom is all about this. Revelation 21 verse 3. Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will 
dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. This is what we have to look forward to. A day when sickness and sin and death cannot separate us from the presence of God. When the devil can't try to drag us out of the presence of God. Where there is nothing but his presence. That is what we have to look forward to. The whole point of the Bible is this. The whole book is telling the story that God wants to be close to you and to me. So he does, listen, whatever it takes to get you in his presence, even if that means dying on a cross, even if that means waging war with Satan, even if that means defeating death in the grave, he will go to any lengths and pay any price so that you and I can dwell together with him in his presence for all eternity. I want us to personalize that this morning. I got just some, some, some uh, confessions that I want you to just claim with me. We're going to speak them out loud together. Here's the first one. God wants to be present in my life. I want you to say that with me. God wants to be present in my life. Second one. Listen, God wants to be near me. Say that with me. God wants to be near me. Third one, listen, God wants close relationship with me. Say that with me. God wants close relationship with me. Next one, God will never give up on me. I want you to say that. I want you to believe that and claim it for your life. God will never give up on me. And then listen, last one, God God has already paid the ultimate price to have restored relationship with me. Say that with me. God has already paid the ultimate price to have restored relationship with me. God has always desired to be present with his people. Listen, this this means if you're not experiencing his presence and you're not walking in his presence, it's not his fault. Now, I'm not pointing any fingers. I'm not stepping on any toes. I'm just saying he's already gone the whole way. He's already died on the cross for you. He's already overcome death, hell, and the grave for you. He's already provided his blood that forgives every sin. He has already pursued you. So if you're not encountering him, it's not on him. I'm not saying it's consciously your fault. I'm not saying that you're intentionally holding him at an arm's distance. Maybe it's just you didn't know. Maybe it's there's just distractions. Maybe people have told you some different kind of theology about it. But I'm telling you, God has gone the distance so that he can be present in your life and you can encounter his presence. And you say, well, wait a minute. Well, does that mean that, you know, the goosebumps and the, the, you know, the willies, what does that mean? What are you talking about? No, I'm not saying not everybody feels it the same way. Not every time does the hair stand up. Well, your hair stand up on the back of your neck. You know, not, not every time, but, but listen, we can have this daily encounter and walk with his presence. It doesn't have to mean that, you know, there's angels and trumpets every time. It can just mean most of the time, actually, like it, like the prophet Elijah, it's just a still small voice. It's just this acknowledgement that he's here and he's present with me because God has always desired to be present with his people. Now, one of the reasons that God is so determined to be present with us is that God knows that on our own, we human beings, um, we tend to drift off course by ourselves. We tend to get distracted. We tend to go the wrong direction. 
We, we tend to make unwise decisions. And so in Exodus chapter 40, we see that one of the reasons that God provides his presence to his people is because God's presence guides God's people. God's presence guides God's people. Look at, again at the scripture, Exodus 40, verse 36. He says, throughout all their journeys, the people of Israel, as they're journeying through the wilderness, as they're seeking out the promised land, throughout all their journeys, whenever the cloud was taken up from the tent of meeting or from the tabernacle, the people of Israel would set out and follow the cloud. But if the cloud was not taken up, if it stayed in one place, then they did not set out until the day it was taken up. God provided his presence to be the guide for the people of God through the wilderness. The people of Israel, after they left Egypt as newly freed slaves, they were exactly that. They, were, they knew nothing but slavery. The people of Israel had been enslaved in Egypt for over 400 years slavery mentality was embedded into their culture and embedded into their social dynamic. They had no idea how to live as free people. They were in a strange land. They were, there were strange plants and animals for food. The weather and the terrain were strange. They needed a leader to guide them through this strange wilderness into God's promise. They needed someone wiser than them, someone more experienced than them who could lead them not only out of slavery, but out of a slave's mentality. And when God brought them out of Egypt, he promised them that he would take them to a place, a promised land that would be the perfect environment for them to grow and for them to thrive. But the problem is they had no maps. Okay, we got out the Red Sea and we've got out of Egypt. Where do we go now? We've never been out of Egypt. We don't, there's no GPS. There are no road signs. There are no mile markers. We're just out in the wilderness. Where do we go? So the way God led them was to give them a visible sign of his presence in the form of a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And the Bible says that the people would follow that cloud and follow that fire wherever it went. His presence led them on their journey to his promise. When they were hungry, his presence led them to where they could find food. When they were thirsty, his presence led them to where they could find water. When they were in danger and under attack, his presence led them to where they could find safety. When they were tired, his presence led them to places where they could rest. In fact, if you go back and read the story in the book of Exodus and on through the the next few books of the Bible, you'll realize that the cloud did not lead them on the shortest route from Israel into the promised land. The the route they took, it wasn't the shortest. If you look at it on a map, go, you know, you got maps in the back of your Bible, and you'll see there's probably a map of the journey that Israel took. They went way out of the way to get to where they needed to go. But the reason is, God tells Moses, he says, I could take you a shorter route, I'm paraphrasing, but he says, I could take you a shorter route, but if to go that way is to go through enemy territory, 
And you're not strong enough and you're not ready to fight that enemy. So I'm going to take you a different route around the enemy so I can take you safely to your destination. See, God knows what lies ahead of you before you even get there. And he will give you the detour you need. And then he tells, he tells Moses, he says, but one day you'll be strong enough for that enemy and I'll take you back. And you'll defeat that enemy. See, because God knows what's ahead of us before we know. And so his presence can lead us and guide us through the wilderness to the place we need to be. We need God's presence because we need his guidance. How many of us would readily admit, man, if I just listened to God's word way back then, my life would have turned out. If I I could have just known, if I had just done what I knew the scripture said to do, I could have avoided that heartache. I could have avoided that problem. I could have been saved from a lot of battles. I could have saved a lot of scars and a lot of heartache had I only listened to the voice of the Lord as he was leading me in this journey called life. When we pursue God's presence, when we pursue him and follow his guidance, he knows more than you do. He knows more than I do. He can see what's coming before I can. Um, This is a a really cool story. In a couple of weeks, Pastor Dwayne Helms is going to be here uh, to preach revival for us. He's the pastor at Open Arms Assembly in BB, Arkansas. And we've just kind of developed a friendship over the past couple of years. And um, I guess it was about a year ago, uh, I was at his church and he was showing me around. They just built a new building. And he was showing me it's a huge building. They built it $7 million debt-free. And it's not a huge church. It's just a God thing. And uh, he's showing me around. And he takes me up to an attic storage area in this building. And we get up to the top of the steps. and And I look, and it's kind of an unfinished attic space. And there are, like, oil drum barrels full of, like, beans and rice. And multiple of them. Lots of them. And there is a whole wall of toilet paper stacked to the ceiling. And there's paper towels. And there's cases of hand sanitizer. And there's just all kinds of cleaning supplies. And there's dry good foods and, you know, different things. And I went up and I was like, so this was 2021 probably when I went there. And uh, I said, oh, yeah, did you get this stuff, you know, uh, from like Convoy of Hope or something during during the COVID deal? Because if you all remember, we got a several big pallets of stuff here and we distribute it to the community and to our church and so I was like oh yeah did you get this stuff from convoy too we got some stuff from him. he said no I didn't get this from from convoy and he said and at the end toward the end of 2019 I was a new pastor here and I was preaching and during the middle of my sermon the Holy Spirit spoke to me and I had to stop preaching and just share with the congregation what he spoke And he said, this is the end of 2019. Think about your calendar and think about when COVID started and everything. End of 2019, the Spirit spoke to Pastor Dwayne as he was preaching and said, tell the church to start receiving donations of unperishable food, of toilet paper, of paper towels, hand sanitizer, and cleaning supplies. He said, I don't know why, but the Holy Spirit just told me to stop preaching and say, we're just going to start taking donations, dry good foods, paper products, toilet paper specifically, and, and, uh, and hand sanitizer. And so they just started bringing stuff at the end of 2019 and stocked this attic room full of stuff so that in February and March of 2020, when nobody had toilet paper, everybody in BB Arkansas had toilet paper because Open Arms Assembly was giving it out. 
When, they, when no one could get hand sanitizer, they had sanitizer and they could give it to the schools and they could give it to their families. When people couldn't even, the grocery shelves were bare and stores were closed, they had food they could give out. And Pastor Dwayne said, I promise, because I looked at him and said, I don't know if I believe all of this. And he said, it's on video, the date and the time I said it and exactly what God told me in one of our sermons. And he said, and God told us beforehand what we needed so that we could weather the storm. Isn't that awesome? And now he's probably going to tell that story next week. He'll tell it better than I can. But it amazes me because God knows what's ahead of you before you get there. And if we will just listen to him, Pastor Dwayne was the only one listening, I guess, because nobody else knew. But if we'll just listen to him, he will tell us what we need. He'll tell us what direction to take. He'll tell us what places to avoid. He'll tell us what choices to make if we pursue the presence of God. Now, the results of pursuing God's presence are this. God's presence leads us into God's promises. His presence leads us into God's promises. If you go back and you read the story of Israel in the first five books of the Bible, you'll realize that the people, they didn't establish a great track record of obeying God's word. It's almost like if you read Exodus in the coming books, almost every other page, they're just doing exactly the opposite of what God told them to do. And then God has to come clean up their mess and Moses gets mad and Moses prays because God's mad at the people and everything. It just cycles all over and they repent. God has mercy. I mean, I've lived that life, you know. We've all done that at different times or another. But as a result of them at times not fully trusting the leadership of God's presence and God's word, what should have been, listen, a four-day journey to the promised land turned into a 40-year ordeal. And most of the people who walked out of slavery in Egypt died before they ever walked into God's promised land. Here's the sober warning. It's possible to resist and ignore and neglect the presence of God, and there are consequences. One of the reasons I believe God wants to foster in us a passion in our personal lives, in our church, in our services, in our corporate times of worship, a passion for God's presence is this. He has promises for us that we can only access if we would pursue his presence. He has things for us that we'll only find in his presence. Here's the good news. Even though at times Israel disobeyed and they were stubborn and they struggled and they complained and at times they were just downright disobedient to God, even though there were consequences to their actions, God's presence stayed with them. And though some missed out on experiencing the fullness of God's reward, God was faithful to his promise and to his people and his presence led them into the promised land. Deuteronomy chapter 4, look at this. It says, And because he, God, loved your fathers and chose their offspring after them and brought you out of Egypt with his own presence by his great power, driving out before you nations greater and mightier than you, he brought you in to give you the land for an inheritance. His presence is what fought the battle. And his presence is what took them to the promised land. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 12. It says, and there, 
in the presence of the Lord your God, you and your families shall eat and shall rejoice in everything you put your hand to because the Lord your God has blessed you. The promises of God's blessings are access when we follow and pursue his presence. In this church, God has promised us miracles and signs and wonders I believe he's promised us and is promising us a move of God coming in the coming days like we've never seen before in this church. I believe he's promising us growth and new believers. And I'm saying to you, and I'm claiming not transfer growth, but we're stealing from other churches. I'm not interested in that. I want to go after people that don't know Jesus and people who need hope and who need healing and that are being reached by our church in all corners of this community and they're getting saved and they're getting sanctified and they're getting delivered and they're getting set free and they're getting filled with the Holy Ghost and they're becoming disciples of Jesus and citizens of the kingdom. I believe that's a promise God has for this church and I believe he's promised some of us in the room particular promises, personal promises for your family, for your business, for your life, for your marriage, promises of healing, promises of freedom from addiction, and your children coming back to know the Lord. And listen, we access those promises with passionate pursuit of God's presence because His presence will always lead us into His promises. Now lastly, there's something you need to know about God's presence, and I'm almost done. There is a prerequisite to the presence of God. There is a requirement to access his presence and encounter his presence. And it's not free. Look at Exodus chapter 40. This is just before the text we read today. Verse 30. This is Moses. And it says, Moses set the basin before the the tabernacle. And he put water in it for washing with which Moses and Aaron and his sons washed their hands and their feet. And when they went into the tent of meeting, when they went into the tabernacle, and when they approached the altar, they washed as the Lord commanded. They had to be clean before they could enter into his presence. You can't go in dirty. You can't go in contaminated by sin. You can't go in. You know, we don't talk a lot about sin in the church today, but we'll just sit here for just a minute. You can't be living an active and rebellious lifestyle in sin and expect to be guided by God's presence or encounter God's presence. Let's just call sin what it is. It's sin. And it will, it will inhibit you from encountering God's presence. And, you know, we, we like to talk about the big sins, you know, the things that we like, other people's sins that we like to point our fingers at. But let's talk about gossip for a minute. Let's talk about dishonor and, and, and toward our parents, our elders, toward our spouses. Let's talk about what, what gets hidden on these devices when nobody's looking around. Let's talk about some things that we don't like to talk about for a second. Listen, you need God's presence. I need God's presence, but I can't access it and take all my dirt in with me said before they went into the tent meeting, before they went to minister before the Lord, you got to get clean. I'll just, this isn't in my notes, but listen, an unholy relationship, an unholy sexual relationship, it will inhibit you being able to access God's presence. 
you want God to bless your life and your family, but you're living with somebody that's not your spouse, God's not going to bless that. His presence is not going to be. Yeah, I'm not saying he's abandoned you. I remember I told you the difference between his omnipresence and his manifest presence. He's still there, but you're not going to encounter the fullness of what God has for you with that sin in your life. You need to cut it off. You got you to get, get it clean before the Lord. You've got to obey him. You've got to do what he says. You've got you to stick to his word. In an unholy relationship, God's never going to bless that. You want him to bless a future marriage, make sure that before the marriage ever happens that that relationship is holy and pure before the Lord. God takes sin seriously, and it's not because he just is an old fuddy-duddy that doesn't like you to have a good time. He takes sin seriously because he knows what sin does. Sin always leads to death and destruction. And his presence wants to lead you into life and into promise. You can't have it both ways. See, there are different opposite directions. God wants you to be pure and holy before the Lord. Now, here's the good news. Are you ready for some good news for just a minute? I love this. God knew that you and I could never get clean from sin on our own. See, when Moses and Aaron went to the went to the tabernacle, they had to wash every time. Because once they left, you know, that part of the world is dusty and dirty. And so every time they walked out, they picked up the dirt of the world. And before they could go back in, they had to get washed off and washed clean. But God knew that that was not a sustainable way to live life. Where, well, we'll just get some temporary relief and then we'll go collect some more dirt and come back in, wash off again. So he provided a way for you and I to be clean on the inside and the outside. That's why Jesus came. That's why his blood was spilled for you and for me. I'm not getting on to anybody. It's just because I want you to have experienced the fullness of what God has for you. It's, I, don't even mean, I don't even know who's in the room. And if I've stepped on it, I don't mean to. I promise you I don't. That's not my heart. My heart isn't judgmental at all. I hope God knows my heart. God knows that I'm preaching to myself in some ways too. But we, we have to, to deal with what's separating us from encountering God's presence. If we want to move of God in this church and in this community, we've got to deal with it. Look at this scripture, 1 John chapter 1, verse 7. But if we walk in the light, in other words, if we don't hide our sin in the dark, but we're just honest and we bring it to the Lord, if we walk in the light because he is light, We have fellowship with one another. In other words, there's no secrets and we don't hide anything from anybody. We don't keep things between ourselves and all that. The blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. The blood of Jesus. And if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. In other words, don't come in here trying to fool us. You're not fooling God and you're not fooling us. You're not fooling me. You're not even fooling yourself. Don't, don't come in saying, oh, I don't need the blood. Yes, we, we all do. I'll be the first one that needs the blood. If we confess our sins, though, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. From all unrighteousness. His blood cleanses. Water washes temporarily, but his blood washes and cleanses and gets out every stain. And so when we want to go into his presence, the only way is through the blood of Jesus. 
the only way. I think I told you last week, in just one drop of that blood, just one drop of that blood, there was enough mercy and there was enough grace and there was enough forgiveness for the entire world and every sin that anyone ever has committed or will commit. It's more than enough for you. It's more than enough for me. And we can have freedom. We can have forgiveness. You say, well, well, so does that mean that I have to be perfect in order to encounter God's presence? I sure hope not. I sure hope that's not what it means. But it does mean that, Lord, every time I'm coming into you, I know I'm coming unworthy. Every time I'm coming to meet with you, every time I'm coming before you in prayer, every time I'm coming to this altar, every time I'm asking you for something, I know I have no right to ask. But his blood paid the price. And Lord, there's maybe some things that I'm struggling with or some things that I haven't let go of yet or some things that I haven't really broke free from yet, but I'm just trusting that your blood is enough to get me in the door and you're going to work on me where I'm at and you're going to do the work that needs to be. So I'm not saying perfect. I'm not saying, oh, this isn't a judgmental thing at all. It's just saying, listen, none of us can come into God's presence on our own. We need the blood of Jesus. And we need to be honest about where and why we need the blood of Jesus. Don't try to hide it. Don't be silly about it. Don't wear a mask. We all know. I know you need it because I know I need it. And that's why. And so there is no judgment. There is no condemnation in Christ. Jesus said, I didn't come to condemn the world, but to save the world. So he's not sitting here checking the list and saying, you can't come in. He's saying, you can come in, but this is the way through me and through my blood. That's how we have access to the presence of the Lord.